Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Phil Donaldson introduces the series of messages on the miracles of Jesus. And now, here's Phil. Good morning. I'll ask you to turn in the scriptures to Exodus chapter 16. We won't see that for a few minutes. But it might be handy for you to have it open uh, when we get there. The series starting before us uh, next week is the miracles of Jesus. It could also be named Digging Deeper into the Miracles of Jesus. The last two Sundays and today sets the stage for these studies. Uh, We had introductory talks by Mark Daguerre, who started off with the providence of God and how God cares for his people each and every day. And then Trevor uh, continued with God's sovereign position and power. Without those two attributes of God, we would not have the two great miracles revealed in Scripture that are shown on this slide. The great miracle of creation demonstrates to all humanity his divine sovereignty. Also demonstrates his immeasurable power and his creativity. The second great miracle of the resurrection of Jesus demonstrates God's loving and providential care for the human race. Without those two revelations of Scripture, we would have no such series that are before us. We would have no basis for our Christian faith. And in fact, there would no, there would not be any uh, time, space, or people as we Christians believe through God's Word. Before us on the slide are these two revelations of Scripture in image form. At the top, the beginning of Scripture starts with this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. From that, we will talk about that creation as being nature. And uh, it's not to be exclusive, but I'll explain in a moment. Psalm 8, the psalmist wrote, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The New Testament records the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus as the great work of God in the work that he did to provide our salvation and to provide a means by which people could uh, repent, be forgiven, and enter the family as his own children. Uh, The second three images are on the slide of of four pilgrims, you might recognize them, who are walking the Christian life because of the empty tomb left uh, behind by the resurrected Jesus. Scripture makes it clear that this resurrection was a wonderful work of God, planned from past eternity, and has efficacy for the whole eternity to come. It was a work of the sovereign power of God and his providential care over all those who would believe and accept Jesus as Savior and Lord. Matthew 28, verses 1 to 5, describes the scene this way. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled away the tomb 
rolled away the, the, the stone and sat on it. And he invited the women to come and see the place where he lay. Have you or someone else you know ever experienced a miracle from God? I want you to just hold that question in your mind, not only throughout this talk, but for the series. And just think and ponder that as we unfold what we think the miracles are all about over these next weeks. We want to provide a biblical understanding of miracles, the signs and wonders of God. And this morning, I'll provide a bit of a backgrounder uh, for the the miracles of the Old Testament that sets the stage for the New. And I will focus on one of the miracles uh, uh, and its application not only to the nation of Israel at the time, but also how it applies to his people today. Our earnest prayer for this morning is that each of us will end up with a foundational understanding of what the miracles of the Bible are all about. This is just a quick overview of what's to come, and you can't read that, and I don't expect you to, but this is what our path forward looks like in this series. After those three introductory talks I mentioned at the beginning, uh, the actual series about the miracles of Jesus is given, and they're going to culminate in the great miracle of Jesus rising from the dead on Easter Sunday, so we're really excited about this study. There are some 37 recorded miracles in the New Testament attributed to Jesus. That number varies depending on what all you include. I'm going to suggest to you this morning as as a, a, a as a view of miracles that extends beyond his working in the supernatural that that number could be uh, much greater than that. But for the sake of uh, looking specifically at where God intervened through Jesus in the natural world and interrupted its, uh, its uh, natural course, for his own purposes, we'll see that uh, as we go through the series. On the right-hand side of that slide, you'll see the various asp- the types of miracles that Jesus performed, and the speakers coming f- coming over the next weeks will choose some of those 37 uh, for their talks in the various categories of uh, food and healing disabilities and injuries, evil spirits, nature, and uh, resurrection situations. I'm going to move quickly through a few slides just to set the stage for how the Bible thinks and presents miracles, or how we are to think about how the, what the Bible presents as miracles. You'll see this picture in the front. I don't know if you'll recognize the young guy at the front, at the bottom. Uh, I wasn't allowed to sit that day uh, on, on my mom's knee. But in any, in any case, when I entered time and space, I was so fortunate and continue to be thankful to have the starting point for my life that was given to me and my siblings at the feet of our parents. Uh, at their feet, we learned the starting point for our thinking platform, the Word of God. In any study of miracles, people need to have starting points. One of them, taken by many, is that there is nothing outside time and space apart from what is represented on this, on this slide. The blue sky above, the green earth below, and the people who have somehow entered the planet to come to be on the earth. Uh, we'll, we'll just build on that basic uh, picture, image, sketch of mine to try and explain uh, what uh, this looks like. Uh, C.S. Lewis, in his book entitled Miracles, which I read many years ago, 
I started on this question by providing a quote from Aristotle that said this, those who wish to succeed must ask the right starting or preliminary questions. The starting point of how many view the world we live in and the presuppositions that guide their lives in many different ways is that time and space is all that there is. I have shown that in the slide as a red box, bold, uh, bold red at that, around time and space. Their view of the natural world is guided and ruled only by the natural laws of sciences uh, like physics, chemistry, and other study disciplines. Some people don't study to get in that position. Some just live there. They grew up natural guys, ladies, and just uh, grew up in that kind of environment. I'm going to use the term nature for time and space and those who hold those views as naturalists. And uh, whether they got there either of those two ways, uh, we'll cover the, their, uh, their basic starting point with that description. Most of those who live within that red box think that there are no such things as miracles. In fact, there is no intervening of natural and physical laws by any outside force possible. Another view taken is that there is no red box boundary around time and space. I'm calling it a domain, but there is a domain in addition to time and space outside of nature. For cultural context today, the, there's a graph on the top right-hand side. I don't think you can read it, but I'll just summarize it. Uh, a U.S. survey asked uh, the, the population, uh, do you believe in God? And the result of that, that 56% uh, believe in God as described in the Bible. 10% of the total population would fall into the category of naturalists. They do, don't believe that there is any force uh, or uh, entity outside of time, space, and the, and the natural world. 33% believe in some higher source and power, but not the God of the Bible. And that adds to the 100% or so of the population survey. It's intriguing, but I just put that forward for us to understand the culture we live in. I mean, that's U.S. culture. It's a bit different from ours, I'm sure. But the the uh, the, the, the number of people that sit in the view that there is nothing beyond time and space are not that many. But our big job is to try and uh, present to those who are on on, on the uh, other side, or both sides, really, the uh, the view of uh, that we're taking from Scripture and has been given to us. In the worldview of the Christian, there, there, is a, there is this domain in addition to time and space. And God revealed this view to us a number of ways. God reveals who he is in creation. Secondly, his revelation of his person and work is described in Scripture. And third, his character and work and person were revealed in the coming of Jesus to earth. And we could add course, how he lives in people's hearts today and many other ways in which uh, God speaks and works in nature. I love those hymns that we sang this morning, a reminder that when Jesus said, my father is always working, uh, sums, sums a lot of this up. Uh, notice that in this boundary conditions sketch, I did not place the green lined rectangle above the red, uh, I said triangle again, rectangle I didn't place it above that hard-lined red uh, rectangle. I opened up the red uh, triangle in dotted lines to illustrate this point that I want to make. 
I am a Christian supernaturalist who believes that God is sovereign over all that exists in nature and outside of nature. He is the God, the sovereign God of all that is, that all that exists, and he works according to his own purposes in all of those spheres. We are moving to locate the miracles of Scripture and to seek to understand them from the uh, perspective of our Lord. And as we do that, let's look at the word miracle for a moment. The etymology or the origins of the word miracle is really only of minor help. I'll skip through this. The English word miracle comes from the Latin term miraculum, which merely referred then and is used frequently today in that sense to something simply that evoked wonder and doesn't identify where that wonder, uh, how that wonder came to be. In the next slide, we have some common definitions uh, that uh, some were helpful, some not so much. Uh, when I read C.S. Lewis, he, he spoke about an interference with nature by a supernatural power. And I, one word I didn't like there uh, about the interference in nature, uh, he didn't mean it to limit God's sovereignty. He meant it because he was arguing against uh, the other, the people with the other starting point uh, to say, uh, to sort of reflect their view that it's an interference with nature when God intervenes and acts. Uh, common definitions uh, from dictionaries and so on. An extraordinary and astonishing happening that is attributed to the presence and action of an ultimate or divine power, and that one leads us in the right direction. A miracle is an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. Again, helps us in the right direction. And then the word, the way the word is used frequently in our day and age uh, is more along this line from Webster, an extremely outstanding or unusual event, thing, or accomplishment. Uh, it takes no effect of uh, what uh, could be the origins of supernatural events by God. Some examples of common use today, this diet works miracles on, fact, on fat. <laughs> I tried that and I, evidently it didn't work. That bridge is a miracle of modern engineering attributes it to engineers, which we don't get much support from usually. Uh, uh, sports fans know it well. What the, Leeds, what the Leafs need is a miracle. This one from 1949, my birth year, Miracle Whip. I had no idea what it was then, and I still don't know which one to pick up when I go to the store today. So the common usage of the term miracle is used frequently along those lines, and we need to guard as Christians against using it uh, without thought and without care when we speak to others about miracles. We need to work with care that if he is intervening, we have good evidence for what we're saying and that he is working in a way that we can explain to others when we use the word. Uh, we all need to just think about that. In the next slide, uh, you've seen it before from me, the uh, I'm trying to paint this picture of that the Bible, I think, gives us is that the, the Bible is, it's all about God. It's all about him. And he presents himself on two dimensions, constitutionally as the sovereign, infinite, eternal, immutable spirit God, who also ha is a person who has characteristics of omniscience, sensibility, holiness, love, justice, humbleness, forgiving, goodness, truth, faithful, and he, he has his own will. And, and in the picture, I've tried to describe how he 
is sovereign over time and space. And that was culminated in the coming of Jesus into the world to, uh, and the miracles we'll see from him. And he is doing this, not he d- does these acts not in, in random space or just to show off power. He does them in a particular way with specific intention in the miracles to show us that he is God. And he wants in that context to be believed and accepted and, and followed. And his purpose is to get people with free wills to uh, accept him, the person on the on the left who uh, is worshiping God and responding to that in a two-way relationship with God, and the other who has their arms like this, and I don't need you, God. I, I, I have the starting view that if there's anything, uh, all of nature doesn't allow for miracles, and so on. I'd like to put this definition out a little bit like Trevor. I put together uh, a, a, a definition that I think covers all of the things we're trying to say. Miracles are events recorded in Scripture by inspired authors which clearly involve a powerful act of God directly or through his servants. The context of the events are provided to reveal his character and or purposes. In these events, God's sovereign power over his creation to use it or to interrupt it in its normal state uh, is demonstrated with purposeful intention. I want you to notice, too, that when we look at Scripture presentation of miracles, that the Bible doesn't make a clear case between supernatural and natural. The miracles of God show God as a sovereign God. He is working, and He, the way he works, he chooses. And it may be a mixture of those things. It may be a total interruption of nature, as we saw. I think it's a good example of it in Dave's, David's picture of Moses taking his first step into the into the water or towards the water that day, and uh, so hopefully you'll find that a bit helpful. Original language use of the uh, of the uh, word used in the scriptures is there's not one original word that can be translated miracle, and I want to unpack that for us a little bit uh, to understand the, this point. In the Old Testament, there's two main words used for uh, sign and wonder. And that's a more precise meaning of what the Bible says of them. And in the New Testament, similarly, you have sign, wonder, power. You also have power in the Old Testament as well, and work of God. And I've given you some references uh, to to look up uh, at your leisure. Next slide. Sign means an evidence of a divine commission and attesting to a divine message a token of the presence and working of God, the seal of him as a higher power. The wonders is our response to it. Uh, Events that rise up in us a sense of awe and astonishment and surprise and what's going on here uh, and what's the meaning of it. And there's works, uh, the, the, the word works, the works of him who is wonderful and working isn't all that helpful, but it's the wonder of the work. Uh, and God, our Father, and Jesus were always working and are always working. And mighty works adds the superhuman aspect to the description of the work at particular times. Oftentimes you see these words, uh, signs and wonders, being used together. And uh, it really covers the miracles as we see them this morning. Uh, I, I have seen a couple places, and I tried this on my own as well, to put see how those different uh, words fit together. 
A miracle is a unique and extraordinary, extraordinary event that creates in the hearers awakening wonder. It is wrought by divine power. It accomplishes some practical and benevolent work. And it authenticates or signifies a messenger and his message as from God. So these are just laying the foundation. Hopefully it will help us as we move through this series. Uh, just a couple of general observations uh, about all of the miracles of the Bible, that they are worthy of their author. When you look through the list, you'll see God intentionally working in a particular way. As I said earlier, they're not just random events to display his power. He has those that he wants everybody to see, but they're very particular in their nature uh, to demonstrate his character and his purposes. They're part of the divine order. They're part of the upper story of how God is working and make, and progressing that along the time zones that the Bible itself and future time also covers. Miracles appear in the Bible at the initiation of major movements in God's story with intermittent periods of absence of recorded miracles at least, uh, but uh, and of course recognizing that God is continually working even though those miracles of his may not have been recorded in, in the scriptures. They are highlighted as uh, the time of Moses, which we're going to look at this morning, the time of the prophets, the ministry of Christ in our series, the initiation of the church. And uh, we'll, we will all wrestle with that question about uh, uh, miracle, miracles today, but we'll leave that for another for another day. Uh, the, the next few slides are, I'm just going to summarize them quickly, but they're laid out for the way I, I study miracles, and I think a proper biblical hermeneutics should consider these things and ask these questions of the text as, as, uh, as other speakers are preparing as well as myself. Uh, at the observation category, where... And who, who was God dealing with directly? Who was the direct audience? Who was the initiator of the event? And who performed the miracle? Next slide, uh, just summarize a few of them. What was the role of faith and belief in the recipient of the miracle? And trace that through. What was the immediate impact on all of those identified as being indirectly involved uh, around the miracle? What were the relevant story elements following the miracle? And what was the ongoing result in people's lives? There are questions, many of them I just showed a few here, but why did he do this miracle and not others of the same type at that time? Example, healing. Example, signs. Uh, the speakers are going to wrestle with that question as we work this through. And then application, I'll just highlight uh, that part. How did the Lord intend for that miracle at that time to be applied to us? And there are other questions there and more that speakers will have. A summary of the Old Testament miracles, as I mentioned, is part of my uh, talk, my slides. I'm going too fast for you to keep going, brother. Uh, the... Uh, uh, the miracles of the Old Testament, uh, different lists you can find on the internet and by commentaries, they range numbering from 94 to 112. So let's say around 100 miracles are recorded in the Old in the Old Testament. That uh, slide also gives us the distribution, and you can see there's a lot of miracles in Genesis about origins. Exodus, of course, is all about the uh, 
uh, another high proportion of the miracles are in Exodus about the delivery of uh, God's people from Egypt to Canaan. And then there, there's smatterings of other miracles down to the time of the prophets and the uh, and the kings and the judgment of the nations and so on are, are in Second Kings and First Kings predominantly, and then smattered, smattered, scattered through the rest of the Old Testament. Now, one caution is that I'm listing the miracles the way modern people look at miracles. That these were the places where God interrupted or uh, did special events of, 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 of nature. But God was always working, and that's don't just read those stories, read all of the stories uh, to find out how God is working is, is part of my point. And on the right is those themes of what his purposes were through, the, uh, through the, those uh, Old Testament uh, miracles. Next slide. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to just highlight a few things from one particular uh, time frame from the book from the book of Exodus, and one of the miracles that really spoke to me as I was studying was one miracle that lasted for the forty years the people were of God were in the desert. It was a miracle that was stated by the Lord through Moses and Aaron as a training ground for the people of God to be obedient and to implicitly follow Him in faith. The people of the nation of Israel were prone to look back rather than to look forward in faith and reliance. And I'll demonstrate that in a minute. It was also set up that they would never forget who it was that was bringing them to the promised land. And here God initiated some feasts built on the miracles he did. And we'll look at that in the case of manna briefly in a few minutes. He had the Feast of Unleavened Bread just as they were leaving, the Feast of Passover before they were leaving Egypt. And in the case of manna, uh, the case of the golden jar is interesting. They took some, God told them to take a piece, some pieces of that manna, put them in a golden vessel, and preserve them so that the people, all of the people would see that when they came around the tabernacle and that they would remember. This is the important point, that they would remember their salvation, that they would remember how God brought them from that bondage in Egypt into the promised land. Now, that's obviously a, a picture of what God has done in our lives, isn't it? He's brought us in salvation from a land where it was desolate. We were in slavery and in bondage to sin. And God provided a redemption, a way forward to bring us out of that bondage into the freedom of, of being his children uh, and headed towards the eternal uh, promised land for Christians and in his presence. Notice that this um, this use of bread is accompanied by water and wine at times. The very necessary things of of this life is the metaphors, the pictures that God brought forward uh, to demonstrate uh, that he what he was doing and how he was doing it and and helping us in those things to remember him. We did that at our at our communion service. God calls us to remember him. A lot of us say, "Well, we don't need that. We don't need to go there." We we, we worship him. He's asking us to remember him in a particular way, to re- always and frequently remember the salvation that he brought to us, a miracle in itself when we look at our stories. And he wants us to uh, remember him uh, in the breaking of, the, of this bread. Jesus, when he, uh, and I won't just steal from 
some miracles in the New Testament, but he used bread frequently. And his main, the main thing I want to highlight is this bread that he used to demonstrate himself to the Old Testament people. He declared to be a picture of himself. So when we're reading the Old Testament, it's completely legitimate to see that in the New Testament there's a fulfillment of that symbol in Jesus. He was the one who was giving that manna in the Old Testament. God was the one who was doing it. And he was the one who was the bread sent from heaven to bring the, the bread of life to the world. Not sure we have time for this. Uh, I, I'm sure you can read it and memorize it. Where's Ted? Uh, you okay with that, brother? Uh, you see on the left-hand side the ten miracles that God did in the sight of Pharaoh so that the people of Egypt who had their own gods would see a miracle by God that said, I am the true and one and only God. And these are the gods of Egypt listed here that some brilliant commentators have dug out for us. But the, And the book of Exodus clearly speaks about God trying to take the, the, the influence of the Egyptian gods out of the, his people's lives when they left Egypt. Get rid of those. Bury them in the Red Sea. I'm taking you to a new place. And these, go- these gods of Pharaoh uh, have nothing to do with your ongoing life. Another aspect of the, of the, uh, uh, the, the miracles there were that uh, at the beginning, and it's about, it's about number 10, the death of the firstborn. That was the last of those uh, uh, miracles that Jesus did. And judgment on the Pharaoh that continued to resist him in, in spite of the nine times God showed him that he was the real God to be followed. Uh, that uh, the uh, he uh, and Pharaoh was the one, need to get, build this carefully, Mer- Pharaoh was the one that started killing all the, Egypt, or the uh, Hebrew uh, children, the firstborn sons, at the beginning of the story. And so the last one is to tell Pharaoh, you're going to be judged for what you did to my people. Uh, he put to death the firstborn of the Egyptian sons, including Pharaoh's. Strangely enough, Pharaoh still rejected God. But also strangely enough, only eternity will tell this story, he asked when he was kicking the Israelites out of Egypt, he asked uh, uh, Moses to and, and Moses God to bless him. Go figure we are to encourage people not to reject, but to accept the one who gave himself for us. The story of the Exodus is, uh, is a clear, I hope clear a little bit by these pictures. The bottom story is about the power of pharaohs. You can see the, the uh, pyramids. You can see the big castles that were built at the sla- on the slavery backs of the Jewish people. And there's also a picture on the top that shows the land of Goshen where they were living was quite a fertile place. They were able to eat and they were able to drink. Next slide. Here is Here are the miracles in Exodus listed. And I've co- covered the three in the center. The, the one in blue and the ones jumping down, uh, skipping one to the next one is, is about, uh, I'm sorry, one more, is about water. And then there's the manna miracle 
and the large flock of quails and meat uh, in, in the center that we just want to focus on for a minute. Next slide. We can see the root of the, uh, of the people of Israel through the leaving the northern part of the Nile that we had a picture of a moment ago into the desert. Pharaoh had put himself in the position of God Almighty and he refused to accept. And then, uh, they paid the penalty under the judgment of God for their rejection of him. Next slide. Before crossing the Red Sea, God gave them a pillar of cloud to guide them by day and a pillar of fire at night to bring them light. We used to sing that Sunday school song, My Lord Knows the Way Through the Wilderness. And that's the wilderness that the Lord brought them through. And before we judge the people too harshly, we can appreciate they were going through a difficult place and they started to grumble. The grumble, first one was, before we start judging them, let's inject them into, let's inject ourselves into their situation. But they look back and they see Pharaoh and his 600 chariots and horses and armed soldiers coming to the horizon. Why, to Moses, why did you bring us here to perish in the desert? Grumblers. But can appreciate it a little bit, can't we? So Moses, the leader God has chosen, also whines to God. They are at the edge of the sea with no apparent escape. And what does God say to Moses? Take that first step of faith. Move forward. God can, God can steer a moving ship more difficult if one is standing firm with their back to him, right? Move forward. What a, what a thing in that picture that David showed us for the first step to be taken. Uh, by Moses under the power of God to move move forward. And then they, he, they bowed before the Lord and saw his work being carried out uh, on his plan. On the far side of the Red Sea, the fear of the Lord is praised, they said, and the worship of the true God in comparison to the Egyptian gods is stated there and that those powers have been conquered and they were flourishing in the knowledge of God. But... Next slide, they start to grumble another couple of times. The second round of grumbling, listen to them and us. We are desperately thirsty. Give us something to drink. This water is bitter at Marah. Moses cried out to God. The Lord instructed him how to make the water sweet. I'd like to know how to do that, by the way. Later on, after the manna on the fourth round of grumbling, it continued, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and had all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, At twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. And the quail meat and the bread in the morning came, and that bread and, and uh, sustenance came for the next 40 years uh, in the desert. What are the lessons from these miracles? God leads his people along. He calls called them and he calls us out of slavery. He provides symbols and reminders of our salvation and our new life in Christ. He points the way to the promised land for us. We have that hope of eternal life here and in the life to come. And he guides us all along the way, the pillar of light and the uh, pillar of fire, the pillar of clouds. 
bring us through, he brings us through unimaginable threats like the Red Sea crossing and heavy, heavy challenges that we sometimes face in our lives. He brings us through them in faith. He helps us to bury our past to help us forward in the new. And he takes care of his own, both naturally and spiritually. I've already covered this slide in a way, but God takes care of his own. The symbols are water, bread, and meat to the Old Testament people. But we have the nourishment directly from the Lord Jesus in our lives as Christians to feed us, to nourish us spiritually, and to have sustenance as we walk in faith in the way that he guides and leads us. In the New Testament, Jesus confirmed these things in himself. He said, he said I am the Lamb of God in the Old Testament, it was the lambs that shed their blood, painted on the doorposts when the judgment of God was going on the firstborn of the Egyptians. Uh, his people escaped because of that blood of that lamb. And Jesus confirms and commits that he is the one that came as the lamb of God to, to take away sin and to be the living water, to be the bread of life to each and everyone who believes. God calls us to remember him. And God calls us to exult in the miracles that he brought in our life, to bring them to himself, to seek us, to find us, to have us respond. And he wants you to respond and me to respond for salvation if it's not ours yet, by faith and accepting him. And each day as we live in our Christian life, to live in the power of the Spirit, to have God's work evident in our lives each and every day. May God bless to us this study today and ahead. And with that uh, theme, Father, to you be all praise and glory. Thank you for the work that you've done. Thank you for the work that you continue to do in the lives of your people. And thank you for this time of, of fellowship and, and worship and uh, learning today. May your spirit bless uh, the lives of those touched by these messages, and we pray that you would help us to share them abroad. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church, where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you are in the Timmins area, or drop us a line at info at bfa.church. Until next time.